Pegasus Podcast, presented by Night Sports Now. UCF news, views, and a few hot takes. Now, here are your hosts, Bailey Go Knights Adams and Christian Charge-On Simmons. Welcome into episode 118. Be sure you're following us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCASimmons, and at Night Sports Now. Christian, I can't even ask you how you're doing because we have a lot to get through. Yeah, we have no time. Like, I'm no doing time. great. Anyway, okay. No time. You should be doing great because this has been a great week for UCF. Um, I've titled this section Boom Week because we've just been getting a lot of booms. There's been very many booms. There have been quite a few. And we're going to throw all of this into one segment about all the transfers UCF got. And then, of course, early signing day was today as we're speaking. Depending on when you're listening to this, it was yesterday or also earlier today. Um, where do you want to start? Do you want to start with the the transfers or do you want to start with the, the early signing day class? Let's start. With, okay, first off, it's just national signing day. Right. Like, yeah, I guess. I mean, everybody signs today, like, except the Harris twins, apparently. Um, yeah. So I feel like it's just signing day. But yeah, I feel like we can start there because the, there's just a lot of things have happened in the last week ish. I do think it's funny that I feel like we did a good job of there wasn't like a full on, like, I don't think we had like a fan apocalypse at any point over recruiting, which is a little unusual because usually there is at some point. I think the closest we came is when it looked like John Walker might be flipping. And at that time, it felt like Braden Marshall's flipping too. But even then, Neither of them flipped, which is ridiculous. I I was convinced we were going to lose Braden Marshall on our last podcast, which was a solo episode, just me talking about T. Will leaving. I was like, Braden Marshall's gone. There's nothing there, and somehow he's stuck. So, <laughs> yeah, I just it, it, it today's been so weird because it's just been across the board best case scenarios. Like everything good that could have happened happened. Yeah, yeah, it really has. I can just list out all of the the signees here. Did I even but... say and Isaiah Nixon? I, I'm bringing up all the good things. Yeah. Isaiah Nixon flip back to UCL. It's like a billion great things happened today. Yeah, I mean, I can just list them all off here, and then there, I think there's a few guys that we'll talk about more than others. But one starting off was just it's it's feels fitting to start off with Caven Call because he committed to UCF on Christmas Day of last year. Yep. After shortly after the gas, two days after the gas Bowl, and just there was you never you kind of forgot about him just because there was no drama. He, yeah, there was nothing. He was just yeah, I'm committed to UCF, and then nothing ever wavered. So there's Caven Call. There's kicker Grant Reddick. DB Jason DeClona, linebacker Troy Ford, who's another one that didn't really have any drama around him. He's been committed for a while. Quarterback Dylan Rizek, who's another one. Wide receiver Tyree Patterson, offensive lineman Jonathan Klein, tight end Randy Pittman, defensive tackle Andrew Rumpf, uh, offensive tackle Kean Cox, defensive end Isaiah Nixon, defensive tackle John Walker, defensive back Jamark Morris, who was a Juco guy, and defensive back Braden Marshall good class like it's uh, it's so many guys about in this class to be excited about it's crazy i feel like i shouldn't even have to say that it's the best class in program history like that's just an obvious you look at john walker is obviously the highest rated recruit to ever sign with ucf isaiah nixon is the fifth highest rated recruit to ever sign with ucf i mean this and you know it this class which last year's class was the greatest in program history and now this class has yeah. surpassed that which is what you want to see can't wait this, till next year's it's going to be even better. It's amazing. <laughs> Crazy how that works. And the thing about this class is this was the class that really signaled the changing of the guard in Florida, if you want to call it that. Because the fact that you look at these last few weeks, Florida put everything they had into getting John Walker away from UCF. They brought him in on official. They went after him, went after him, went after him. And the assumption, which we bought into too, because we know how things work, was that he was going to flip and he didn't. And that was huge. And to double whammy that with then flipping Isaiah Nixon back, who is a top 300 player in his own right and one of the best commits in Florida's class after Florida gloated and gloated over the summer about flipping him away from UCF is just, that's UCF going head to head with Florida for top recruits and landing them. That shouldn't be possible. And I don't think it's all on UCF's side. I do think that Billy Napier is way in over his head at Florida and that's helping, but UCF's yeah. taking advantage of the opportunity. I mean, and, and then on top of that, they beat out Auburn for Braden Marshall. Auburn tried very hard to get him. They brought him in for a visit this past <laughs> week. I mean, the fact that we've talked about this in theory for 20 years, the concept of once UCF has that power five label, what it can change for recruiting. And this was the class where we saw it, you know? Yeah. And I think this is a, such a good class, such a solid class. And then you add in the context of UCF lost its defensive coordinator, yep. what, four days ago? And they have already... Uh, promoted Addison Williams to be their new defensive coordinator, which I think is a great hire. And honestly, we don't really have the time today to get into all of that. But I think the fact that they went, we can just say the fact that they like stayed in house and, and promoted from within 
is honestly a big reason why they were able to keep a lot of the guys they kept. And really the only ones they lost out of this whole ordeal was the Harris twins who decommitted. Um, And yeah, I don't know what, what their deal is going forward, but I mean, to, to come out with this class, you know, to keep, obviously John Walker was a guy who I didn't know this was allowed, but he was practicing with the team. Yeah. Weirdest thing I've ever seen, which it's like, okay, well, because it was still like at that point, I think everybody realized like, all right, UCF, like, kept held held off florida for him fine like he's gonna sign then he posts a picture from practice and he posted the picture and i think you sent it to me and it didn't register with me that it was just a picture of him at ucs practice like practicing in a ucf jersey and helmet i was like oh cool okay nice like good good to know he's like locked in i'm like wait he's locked in like he's there so for that to happen then to flip isaiah nixon back to be able to hold on to Braden marshall and, you know, I think getting uh, the tackle, Andrew Rump, I think that's another a yep. big, big guy up front. It's to, to do all of that, even though you've lost your defensive coordinator, who has obviously had, had a hand in recruiting a lot of these guys. It's huge. I, I get that you can never totally tell, like, what's going on, like, behind the scenes and which coaches are responsible for what. But it's like, this all happened. And part of me was like, what was T-Will doing? Like, <laughs> I, like the only recruits that the only def, the only defensive recruits that UCF lost were the two that T-Will was going to be their positions coach. So yeah. I understand that the positions coach relationship is often the most important relationship, but I really was just kind of like, okay, did we overhype T-Will? Does it turn out that UCF just has a really, really good staff? And I think that's the case. It just, it's because we knew Kenny Martin had a huge hand in recruiting John yeah. Walker. And then Kenny Ingram's another guy who I think had a huge hand in Isaiah, uh, Isaiah Nixon and probably Caven Call, Troy Ford, those kind of guys. I think Brady yeah, Marshall, just... honestly, you talk about how everyone was – I mean, he straight up said going to Auburn visit, I'm, I'm going to be on flip watch, and then, you know, who was going to be his positions coach gets promoted to D.C., and suddenly he's like, hometown hero, let's get it. So yeah. like, I, I, I do think <laughs> that those relationships matter, and I think that Malzahn has done it. I mean, I mean, the recruiting clout that Gus brings, we've talked about it a million times, it makes a huge difference, and I was thinking about it, and not to keep bringing it back to UCF versus Florida, but it's hard not to when, you know, three guys who were either Gator commits or Florida desperately wanted are signing with UCF today. Let's not forget about Tyree Patterson, too, who yeah. that one's a little less of a flip. There's a little more like of what exactly happened there. Uh, my personal opinion is I think once Florida realized he wasn't a guarantee, they were like, get lost, but whatever. Yeah. Um. You know, Gus Malzahn has recruited in the SEC. He's been doing this for decades. He's very, very, very good at what he does. The players love him, recruits vibe with him. And then you've got... Florida has Billy Napier, whose previous experience is the Sun Belt. And I don't, I, I just, I think that Florida's, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. I think UCF staff has just outmatched Florida. I think Florida's just overmatched. And for UCF to be winning these battles is crazy. I, I mean, John Walker, as we've said it a billion times, he's a program changing player. I'm just thinking of this situation where, and obviously with the portal, you just never know who's going to still be here or whatever, but we're a season out from that game in the swamp. And the idea of like, you could see Nixon and Walker starting on defense for that game. I, I, that that the, the concept of that happening is just amazing to me. And where that's not even like that crazy of an ocean. Like that's probably the most likely outcome at this point. Yeah, no, it's, it's, <laughs> it really is crazy. Cause I mean, you think about it and I know like the, the funny thing about recruiting and like for the, the people who pay attention to recruiting is like the narratives that people try to twist. Cause like, I know like the whole thing with Tyree Patterson was, Oh, like he, he was no longer a take because he was not going to go there people are saying that about nixon they were Which like is oh, hilarious. He wasn't even, they're like he wasn't even like he he didn't have a place in our class anyway i was like okay yeah, i bet i bet isaiah nixon didn't have a place in florida's class one of the things i love is like florida fans will go on twitter it's like they don't understand it's like like we, i can see like we know like it's like we know people who cover that team it's like I, it's yeah. like florida desperately wanted to hold on to isaiah nixon and the idea that a, a florida fan can actually convince themselves yeah there was this really top 300 player great edge rusher we Who needs flip, him? we flip them over the summer. We <laughs> keep him committed for six months. Then the day before signing day, we say, you know what? We don't think you're a take anymore. What? <laughs> like, yeah. I just the ability they have to lie to themselves because they just can't admit that UCF just has a better staff than them right now. And and that frankly, we've talked about it in theory forever. Now that UCF is a power five team, they're looked at differently. It's the whole sleeping giant thing coming to life, and it's going to be a problem for Florida. It's a problem for Florida State. It's a problem for Miami. It's the craziest thing, and you and I argued about this when Gus got hired, because I said, and I still largely stand here, that the biggest jump for UCF to make in recruiting was to stop Central Florida kids from, like, leaving to go to, like, Iowa State early. I don't know why I always use Iowa State as an example. It's like the fourth podcast <laughs> I've done that. Or, like, Wake Forest or wherever. Get those level of guys. And I said, I don't think UCF's ever going to be in position to really compete head-to-head with SEC programs. And they went to they went head-to-head with Florida on two guys 
and got both of them. <laughs> they went head to head with Auburn and kept them. We're waiting to see what Caden Lee does. That was a head to head with Ole Miss. I, I it, UCF shouldn't be here already in recruiting. They shouldn't, and they are, and it's fantastic. I have where they're at. So this class is number fifty-two nationally, which this is the part that I know that I don't expect you to like follow recruiting like super specifically. Two four sevens ratings are heavily influenced by number of players in the class. And UCF very intentionally takes small classes because they, um, what do you call it? They bring in a lot of transfers. Like yeah. there's a lot, like all the teams ranked ahead of them have like 20 plus guys in their classes. UCF's at 14 right now. They're probably not going to get past 16. So number 52 nationally, that's seventh in the new big 12, which, and best of all the new, the new programs entering, which is an awesome spot to be in. We haven't even played in the league. If you go by average player rating, they're fifth in the, in the new big 12. They're fourth in the new big 12 in the transfer portal rankings right now. I, it's been to be where you to already like be recruiting in the upper third of that league and you're not even in the league yet is so encouraging. Yeah, and I just like kind of looking down the list here too of the the makeup of the class. Eight of the guys are defensive guys, and then you just look. There's two big offensive linemen that you're you're looking at as as long term guys up front like that. That's huge. And then you got some of the skill guys like Tyree Patterson, who we mentioned, the tight end, and Randy Pittman brought in a quarterback who you know Dylan Rizik's been a guy who's been talked about a lot just because he's been committed to UCF for a while and is is such a UCF guy. And then you got a kicker, which it, it makes, it was interesting because at the time when they had Grant, Grant Reddick um, commit, it was just like, okay, good. They need a kicker really bad. And then Colton Boomer did what Colton Boomer did this season. It's like, okay, we'll kind of see how that plays out going forward. But yeah, you just like, I, I love like the, the positional diversity of this class and just the quality of it overall. It's, it's good. I mean, it's, it's, we talked about it, last year was like oh this is the type of class that UCF can bring in now we're talking this year well this is the type of class like it's just getting better and better and you know start to have some success in the Big 12 I don't know if it's going to come right away but you start to have some success in the Big 12 and then very quickly you'll see these classes get even better that and that's the part I think some fans are missing a little bit too is that the, the recruiting leap that UCF has seen this year I was expecting that after the first year in the Big 12 because UCF until they are in that conference the logos on the field I get the logos technically on the field right now but you know what I mean <laughs> they've played the games they've been on national TV doing that it still feels theoretical and I know it's not but it's still it's it's you know you're hosting visits for John Walker and Braden Marshall and whoever were the opponent is Navy or the opponent, you know, and why can't I think of any of their home games this year? The, you know, <laughs> SMU, I said ECU, stuff like ECU, that. Wasn't yeah. I, and, but that's been the thing. So it's still, and to already be in the upper third of that league and recruiting before you've played a single game as a big 12 program is so encouraging. And honestly, UCF next year, it's not like they need to come into the league and go 10 and two or something to keep this momentum going. And spoiler alert guys, they're not going to go 10 and two next year. I mean, if they just show, that they can hang if if they go if they get to like six and six or seven and five which that is the goal and I think that's attainable then they're going to be able to keep this rolling and then you're going to look at 2024 is the year where okay you're looking at last year's classes getting into their you know their junior seasons or their redshirt sophomore seasons being real contributors this year's class at that point you're probably gonna see guys like John Walker and Isaiah Nixon really being ready Braden Marshall and suddenly it's at the point where I mean 2024 is the target year for UCF where you're really going to have these recruiting wins starting to pay off and you're going to have that roster depth that you've built in part through the portal and that's when you can really start to do some damage. And I think they're going to be in a good position to add another really good class next year. I just listen this year, the actual on-field year had a lot of issues, which we've talked about at length on this podcast. They made it to the conference title game. They almost went to the cotton bowl, but there were still a lot of issues, but everything it, right now, everything is trending in the right direction. And, and that's yeah. a crazy thing to say a week after you lose both your coordinators, but it's true. It, it's just, it's, it's so interesting how quickly things can flip. Well, it's funny you say like 2024 is the target year and everything and like bringing it back to Florida again, 2024 is the year that they play Florida. So like that's, that's an interesting little wrinkle there, but yeah, I mean, that game could not to like, I I know that like, if, if you're one of the listeners who like, doesn't really care about UCF versus Florida, you must love that. That's all I'm focusing on on this podcast, but (laughs) that game could be like monumental in the narrative of recruiting in Florida and who runs the state and everything. If UCF at that point, if they've accumulated the talent, where they're able to go into the swamp. And at that point, I think we'll probably be in year one of whoever UCF hires to replace Napier or however Florida hires to replace Napier. Excuse me. I, I think that UCF, there's a real case to be made. They'll be in better position as a program at that point. And you never know. It's hard to project these things out, but that could just be a huge program solidifying moment if they go into the swamp and win that game. Yeah. It's, it's funny to even picture that scene because it's going to be crazy. Um, so we're talking Florida, a lot Florida about. I didn't want to be there. Yeah, I mean, who, who cares about October regular, home games? Regular right? yeah. game. That's the thing is that all the excuses are out the window in, in that in that game in that season. So that'll be fun. But um, 
so we talked a lot about like long, longer term stuff. And some of these guys might actually be longer term. They're there. I think all of them come in with multiple years of eligibility, but UCF also got to work on its transfer class earlier this week. And I think there were what, like three or four booms on Monday, two or three on Tuesday. It was just like a constant we had stream five of booms on Monday, um, five, five boom day. Yeah. And that was, that was between the transfers and the, the yeah. high school commits. Right. Yep. Okay. Um, Cause I have, <laughs> I have the transfers from this week listed out there's five of them here that i listed uh clemson cornerback fred davis arizona state line uh long snapper gage king texas state safety to jordan mask kentucky wide receiver chauncey magwood and kent state offensive line marcellus marshall honestly i like that's those are five solid guys and i'm excited about all of them for different reasons but i think the one i'm most excited and content with is marcellus marshall i was literally about to say that he's a really 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 good player and you know he was at on a position that first team dire need at a position at literally at the position of the most need right now he's got three years of eligibility left that is rare to find in the portal and more notable for me he's from morgantown but that's where west virginia is if you didn't know that and west virginia offered him and went after him. And so did Pitt, which is, I think, like an hour and a half drive from Morgantown. Yeah. And he somehow ended up here. So, <laughs> I, I, I I mean, that I like he was a guy that I really wanted them to land. But when I saw West Virginia offered, I'm like, that's not happening. And the fact that it did is really exciting. And that's one of those ones where I can't even fully explain to you, like the whole point of the portal is supposed to be guys end up home. And like, listen, not a lot of top tier talent coming out of Morgantown. So for West Virginia, that say, sucks to lose. But why like do we know why he came, why he chose UCF like is, uh, did he have a did he have a connection previously with Herb Hand or was it just Herb Hand was that fun of a guy that he was like I I want this to be my coach UCF paid him they gave him the bag yeah um that's yeah, what they, we say they now, gave right? him they gave him stock in Disney or something like that isn't that something Florida fans are saying okay with John Walker? so first off that was a joke I, I obviously don't know who UCF is or is not paying but yeah I don't know how they got him I honestly think Herb Hand is just he seems like the he seems like he was put on this earth to co- coach O-lineman. So I think he's oh, a really yeah. compelling guy. But a lot of Florida fans, especially privately, if you go to their 247 boards and all that stuff, are like, oh, my God, this is a crisis. The only reason this might be happening is that UCF is outperforming us in NIL and they're paying these guys. And my favorite thing, because I've seen a few UCF fans be like, oh, you just can't admit that we have a better staff, whatever. Here's my official stance. I don't give a shit if that's why. Like, great. If Like, I, I don't think it is, but like, What's the upside there for Florida fans? It's like, uh, so you either are going to say that our staff is better and that's why UCF is getting these players or that UCF has more money. Both are fine with me. I'm fine with either reality and they're both horrible situations for Florida. So like, cool, you can say it's because of NIL. Great, I don't care. Awesome. I've never understood the schools that are like get offended when people say we would bought these players. Like that's legal now. I don't care if UCF bought players. Good for them. That's the thing. It's like it's however you play the game, however you play what you what within within the new rules of the new college football. It's like, yeah, who cares? I don't care how UCF's beating out Florida as long as they're beating out Florida. Yeah. And beating out these other programs. It does not matter. Oh, you just as long have as they're more doing money it legally. than the, you just have more money than the legacy SEC program. Great. Sounds awesome. Don't <laughs> think it's true, win, but if but it okay. is, I'd love for that yeah. to be true. I wish that was how UCF is winning these battles. Have more money than Florida. Hell yeah. Yeah. But back to the back to this transfer class. Um Marcellus Marshall was was the one I think that stood out the most. But then Clemson cornerback Fred Davis is definitely a guy I think will step right in and start. Um, you know, probably basically replacing Devontae Brown. Yep, he's got a chance um, for sure. So I mean, yeah, he played, I have it here. He played 27 games for Clemson, I think over two or three years, more than 500 snaps. He made three starts. Um, so a guy with experience, a guy coming from a program like that is definitely worth keeping an eye on. I think the funny thing, and this is the thing that like I don't know. This is this means absolutely nothing. But the long snapper from Arizona State, Gage King, is it just is it's weird to me as I wrote this out. He also so he's going to have a chance to replace Alex Ward, and both guys have four letter first names and four letter last names. Not that, that it's just a weird thing to me. I don't know why. I, I, I noticed that and I was don't like, I think I ever would have noticed that in a million years. But how though? It's just like it's a coincidence. But yeah, so he'll come in and he'll he'll compete to fill Alex Ward's absence, which is weird to say because Alex Ward has been around for so long. I know. It's like weird that he's actually going to be gone. I also feel um, like it's one of those things you don't, th- it's definitely falls in the category of stuff you don't think about when it's working, but having a long snapper with zero issues, except for the time he accidentally snapped a 61 yard field goal is <laughs> 64, 64, excuse me. I can't believe I underestimated the 60 plus yard yeah. field goal is really nice. And hopefully I don't know anything about Gage King. I don't even know how to go about learning things about a long snapper from a different region of the country, but hopefully he's a guy who can step in and work out there. Yeah. Um, Could you remind me of the name of the Texas state transfer? It slipped my mind. The uh, Jordan mask, the Jordan mask. Thank you. I think he's a sleeper too, as someone we might be talking about he, a lot next year. He's played in 10 plus games over each of the last four years. 
Yeah. 40, I, 45 games total. That's that's a lot of experience. And experience is at a premium in the portal because you don't realize how many. And honestly, you look at who UCF has had success with, with the guys they brought in in the portal. It's not a hard cut rule because there have been guys like Javon Baker who have popped off who didn't have a lot of playing time. But it's largely been the guys who are coming in with a lot of experience under the belt or the guys who are able to step in and contribute. So as far as Magwood, um, is UCF, like, is there something we don't know going on with the wide receivers? Like, why is UCF collecting them like Infinity Stones? Like, what, what is going on here? <laughs> that Why do they still need receivers? They brought in three in the last week. Yeah, um, I don't know. I think they're what, they're potentially going to get a fourth? Yeah, Caden so... Lee. I mean, say, say that Caden <laughs> Lee commits. You're looking at Javon Baker, Kobe Hudson, Caden Lee, uh, Christian Leary, Xavier Townsend, Tyree Patterson, Chauncey Magwood, Quan Lee, Amari Johnson, that's like a starting Jaylen offense. Jalen Griffin. Jalen Griffin. That's like a starting offense. That's one player shy of it just starting a bunch of wide receivers off it. Like, why do they need that many wide receivers? I I don't know. I'm going to go full conspiracy. Someone's transferring and we don't know about it. I'm, I'm going to go full conspiracy because I don't know why they would be doing that unless they thought they were losing someone. <sighs> yeah, and I don't know. I mean, it's, it's your guess is as good as mine as far as who it would be, and I guess what would happen maybe after the bowl game, but – why would they wait that long? It just it seems weird. I don't know. Why did Jalen Robinson wait till after the spring game? Yeah. I just I don't too. know. I, and it's weird because both Javon Baker and Kobe Hudson are on Twitter like telling everybody to come to UCF. So it'd be kind of weird if then they were like, and we're portally away, come here to replace us. But, That's what I'm saying. Like it, it wouldn't seem like they're in play to be any like, either of them would be in play to be one of the guys transferring or a guy transferring. I also don't think Malzahn would be like, oh no, we're losing Quan Lee. We need to get five new wide receivers. Like I I I don't really maybe Malzahn, maybe they just decided I don't know. I really don't know. Maybe Gus was just so burned by being down to two functioning wide receivers at the end of 2021 that he's like, we need 10 guys in that room. I really well, don't know. One of them's got to play quarterback eventually, right? <laughs> there you go. There you go. I mean, who's even, <laughs> not to like totally derail it, but like who's even, there's so many potential guys there who could even start a wide receiver from Javon Baker to Kobe Hudson to Christian Leary to Xavier Townsend. I, there's, that's, there's, it's a crowded room. I think those are your top four. And then like these other guys are going to, going to work their way in somehow. I'd assume it's just, yeah, it's a lot. And obviously like a guy, like a, a freshman, like Tyree Patterson may not be like an impact guy right away, but right. I, who knows? Who knows? I don't, he's probably a guy you see him similar to how you saw Titus in 2021. Like he'll pop in here and there, but not necessarily or Xavier Townsend this year. Yeah. Um, is there anybody else that I missed? No, I don't think so. Cause we talked I a little bit about, I mean, managed to cover all of this. The community college, so he was in like, I listed him in the um, signing day class from Hutchinson Community College to Mark Morris. He had 33 tackles, five interceptions, and six pass breakups. Oh, and two sacks. Uh, was first team all conference this past year. And again, like you mentioned earlier, like it's a lot of those guys that have come in from community colleges or, you know, D2, whatever it's been. UCS had some success with those guys. So, you know, I think it's been kind of like a running thing where it's like, Hey, I think it was a JP Gilbert put out there. He was like, well, let me see all the all American and, you know, all conference lists of players from D2 and, and below. And that's how you're going to recruit UCF's next stars because they have, they've had that success and it, it's worked out really well. So, yeah, I mean, just <laughs> what a week. Like, it's just you, was it Saturday that T will left? And I was like, oh, oh, like, I wonder how this is going to, things might spiral from here. And they just really went the other way. Yeah, it seemed, I mean, it honestly, I, like, I thought that, I'm trying to try to phrase this. I didn't think they were going to lose Walker. I don't think anyone did. At that point, we didn't know for sure if Nixon was coming or not. That had started to like trickle out, but not enough where you felt really good about it. And at that point, we still thought they were losing Braden. So I was just sitting there like, okay, they're going to lose the Harris twins and Braden Marshall. I mean, that, that's basically three of the top four guys in their class. And like, don't get me wrong, losing the Harris twins still sucks. There's no way around yeah. that. I'm not going to sit here and be like, well, you know, but whatever who cares it losing two four star sucks and especially um whichever one of them andrew michael i don't know one of them was very highly rated but all that being said the pain is lessened a little bit that you held on to brayden and flip nixon so you lost two four yeah. stars but then you've got to win who you really weren't expecting to be there and i know brayden was just downgraded to a very high level three star i don't freaking care he didn't become a worse player in the last week he's still very good so <laughs> That's the thing you've yeah. got. Caven Call and Braden Marshall were both four stars when they committed to UCF and were later downgraded. So there's a reality where UCF has four four stars right now, but the two four seven composite is unforgiving. So, yeah, I don't, I don't ever get that. How guys will just randomly just, oh, you know, I don't. He, had, he didn't have a good day at well, practice today. I never understand. What's they do problem? like they do a major composite update like a week before signing day, and they go like, here it is, like the last big update. It's before like based signing on day. what? That's what I'm saying. Like based on what and. 
I we like some of them because John Walker got bumped up like 20 spots. Braden Marshall fell like 20. Caven Call has been like falling steadily since he committed to UCF. But I honestly think Caven Call did himself no favors by not creating any drama. Like yeah. he committed to UCF a year ago and then just didn't have any drama. And I think that that just got perceived as like, oh, maybe he's not as good as we thought. I think Caven Call is going to end up being like one of the top three best players in this class when we're looking back at it in a few years. Oh, we yeah. got to do our, we get to do our recruit draft for this class soon. Probably oh, yeah. next month. It's going to be yeah. fun. It's going to be a good time. Be very fun. Last, because last one was so fun. I don't even remember. I'm I'm mixing up my transfer draft and my my recruit draft. I have to check and see. Well, I won I'm the transfer there. draft. We have two more years to go until we find out who won the. Uh, yeah. Um, the other yeah, one. that'll be interesting. All right, so we'll leave all of that there. That was like the biggest, like, that's the biggest news. And then it feels like this next thing should be big, but it's not. I have your players is... you took from last year. If you want them. I would like to know, yeah. Okay, I, I just figured. I was like, we can't get too far away from it. So you took Tommy Castellanos, who's going to lose out to McLean, um, Jordan McDonald, and Nikai Martinez. That's a really good group. Yeah. Um, I took Xavier Townsend, Damari Henderson, and Quan Lee. Interesting. I think through one year, I think I'm feeling better about your group. I um, am too, but it, there's a long way to go. It's very early. I don't think I feel going to be here in two years. I feel especially good about having Nikai Martinez because I legitimately think he's – gonna end up being the best player in that class and will probably, probably start this probably. upcoming season as a sophomore he's got a good so. shot tommy's just a wild card if he ends up starting for ucf at some point that's a great pick if not you burned a pick um that's kind of like what we did when we did the transfer draft and you took john rice Pumley. it was like well if john rice Pumley ends up being the starter like you're gonna have you're gonna have a pretty good you know result from that so i've had a weird thing like over the last week where i feel like i've just sort of like sadly settled in my brain that john rice Pumley is just probably gonna start next year and yeah it's unfortunate for sure, but that's just kind of where we're at. I kind of um, get that feeling, but while we're on the quarterback long... topic, very quickly, not UCF news, but Mikey Keene did commit to Fresno State. Yes. Uh, very excited for him. I think that is an so, awesome landing spot. What date are we planning to transition from the Pegasus podcast to a Fresno State podcast? So we'll go through the rest of the year because we are okay. listeners that. So we'll go through the bowl game and we'll do our post game bowl pod. And then the next week, if you're coming looking for like, more bull reaction you're going to be getting some spring camp updates on the fresno state bulldogs and where mikey Keene stands in the quarterback race and how he'll play being back on the west coast closer to family things like that so good stay tuned for that everybody because that's where we're going next when you said while we're on the topic of quarterback that's i don't for some reason i didn't think that's where you were going i thought you were going to talk about cincinnati getting emory jones (laughs) i already forgot about that (laughs) i I think cincinnati is just collapsing as a program i don't know what's going on there they hired a coach who it was cool that they kind of like quote unquote stole him from an ACC school, but that ACC school was also probably going to fire him pretty soon. Um, yeah. They brought in freaking Emery Jones. I, I just, I don't know what they're going for there. It's like, I like how they looked at Evan Prater and they're like, we're not sure if we like have anything here with Evan Prater. So let's bring in a worse version of him. Like, I I don't, I don't get that, but yeah, we'll see what happens. Make a lot of sense. It's but... not good. Like, I don't know. I'm not rooting for Cincinnati to suck because it's better for the big 12 of all these teams come in. But at the same time, I feel like next year is going to be a giant competition between BYU, Houston, Cincinnati, and UCF to see who ends up having the best year of the new programs. And I just yeah. don't think it's going to be Cincy right now. Yeah, no, it's interesting to see the direction they're headed in um, under Satterfield because I don't know. I don't know about him as the head coach there or just as a head coach in general. So we'll see. Time will tell. <laughs> but uh, speaking of ACC programs, UCF is playing one in yeah, they are. one week. One week from like while we're speaking right now, the game will be in the fourth quarter. UCF will be down probably by 14 um, like and we'll be upset. And then we'll have a postgame uh, reaction podcast. Well, UCF didn't want to be there, so. Yeah. This was sure. Duke's Super Bowl. UCF Duke um in the military bowl. We're gonna jump into our preview here. This is feels weird we're doing a game preview again because the season feels like it's over. It really um, does. It, they gotta get the it... calendar fixed here because this whole ending the regular season and then going straight into uh, I don't know if anyone here has ever listened to the college football inquirer show that like dan wetzel and pat for you do it's not my favorite college football podcast i don't listen to it a ton but dan wetzel's phrased it in the best way that he said what college football does in december is like if the nfl did the playoffs and the draft and free agency and the coaching carousel all in three weeks and it's very dumb because that is literally what college football is doing right now and yeah it feels like the season is over because we're just we, we've already gone through coaching changes player changes recruiting transfers and it's like oh right and there's a game left to play it's just they got to get the calendar fixed. well especially because like ucf took a different approach than Duke did. And I think then every program probably takes a different approach, but UCF after the conference championship game, they took like a week and a half off where the coaches went and recruited players got to do their thing. And then they got back to practice just over this past weekend. 
Meanwhile, I think Duke has been practicing like Duke's been practicing through. for two weeks. And honestly, I'm um, fine with UCF doing what they did because part of the reason they were able to get guys like Nixon and Florida was in the, in the Vegas Bowl. I mean, they had to go right into bowl prep and UCF staff basically said, everyone just chill for a week and a half. We're going to go close out recruiting. And that's what led to this class being as strong as it is. So if that leads to a week's less worth of prep for the military bowl, like fine, I, I you know, I'll that's, take yeah, that. that's it. All of that is also what le- has led to this feeling like a game that I've forgotten is going to happen like multiple yeah. times. Um, but it is nine and four UCF at six and two in the AAC playing Duke, who's eight and four and went five and three in the ACC. Um, yeah, Wednesday, 12, 28, December 28th, 2 p.m. on ESPN. Um, this is just really like it, as much as it feels like a game that's not happening or like a game that just doesn't matter. UCF has a chance to end the season on a, a much higher note, um, you know, getting a 10th win, finishing in the top 25, most likely at 10 and four. And a loss drops them to a very gross yucky record of nine and five um and it would just feel like this season is i don't know it, it already feels like in a way like this season doesn't have a lot of redeeming qualities i think the win over cincinnati probably is one of the very few um and if you finish nine and five that's probably it but if they win at least you can say hey it's a 10 win season there's that's nothing to scoff at ever winning double digit games and finishing in the top 25 is never anything to scoff at so you can at least save that part of it it's very dumb that it's still the way this works, but it a hundred percent is, is what happens next Wednesday is just going to completely determine how we look back on the 2022 season because it, it and that's exactly what happened last year. Like I said it on, our, on two podcasts ago, like you guys hated 2021. You were all miserable that entire season. Then you see, I beat, sure did. UCF beat Florida in the Gasparilla Bowl. And it's like, man, good foundational year nine. It's like the narrative is shaped by the bowl. And I don't know it, it doesn't make sense, but it is the way it works. And you just list out the two narratives. If UCF wins the bowl game, they get 10 wins, which is always great. They finish in the top 25, which they've only done five times ever. So I'm never going to complain about it. And then the conversation is all the momentum they built going to the big 12, 10 win team. The only 10 win team of the, uh, of the new teams coming in, the only top 25 team, the new teams coming in, all that momentum, all that spotlight is on you. And if you lose it, you're nine and five and you suck. And <laughs> it's dumb that that's the way that works. But, and it's just going to, it's also just going to like affect the general mood of the fan base for the next eight months. Like if they win that game, everyone's just going to feel generally better about things. And if they lose it, everyone's going to be like, wow, if they can't even be Duke, they're going to get smoked on next year's schedule that apparently is never <laughs> going to get released. So it, it, there's a lot riding on it, which is unfortunate because I don't yeah, think we thought we, we thought we were going to do a uh, schedule release pod last week. Yeah. We, we booked time for it and everything. I, I just, it, ugh. Yeah, great. I'm pretty sure because uh, so well, I'm pretty sure happened is they had a schedule in place and that's why it was going to get released. And then all the coaches and 80s of the world went to Las Vegas for this big convention a couple weeks ago. And it sounded like while they were there, like they had a couple martinis and we're like, maybe we can get Texas and OU out of here early. And once they figured out that was going to be the case, I think the haggling started again. And they're having to scrap the schedule because they built a two year schedule. From yeah, what it sounded like and like the idea behind that was some teams would host Texas and Oklahoma that first year. Someone was the second year and the ones who were going to host that second year were now probably like, well, hold on a minute. They're not, we're, we can't host them if they're not in the conference. So what are we going to do here? So that's why that happened. But anyway, back to the actual bull preview. That doesn't still, the bull preview just feels so like, I don't know. I don't know. It's just a weird feeling. Is I'm, this it? Is this the power five feeling? Like we're more like, we're talking about the recruits and stuff. And like, that's, there's so much more interested in that in this stupid bull game. We have to go play in next week. Yes, like, it is. is. The, it, it, it sucks that it is that way, but I don't, I don't know. I, I can't get over it. Like it's been like the last couple of weeks. I thought like eventually I'd be like, all right, like I, I'll get, I'll get back up for the bowl game. Like, and I guess we're, we still have a week and I'll probably get excited the day or two before. I'm like, okay, UCF get to watch UCF play another game. Then the game will happen and I'll just be really annoyed for four hours. And then I'll wish, you know, I could just go back to today when we had a fun signing day. Listen, if UCF was playing rice in the bowl game, I'd be a lot more excited and invested than I am right now. Cause my issue that I'm running into is, I just don't think they're going to win this game. I don't even. And and I'm just I'm like I'm having to like put up a mental block in my head because the idea of a nine and five record with all the potential deceits is just infuriating to me. And I just well, I, I don't want to put myself in that. I told you I think yesterday I was like, well, all this time I haven't really considered that there's a reality where they do win. I've kind of just yeah, been like, oh, okay, this is gonna suck. And then like, well, hey, if they win, like I'll actually feel really really good. It'll be really fun. Um, but I just don't. I don't know. For some reason, I haven't allowed myself to believe that they're gonna win um well it was also sorry let me say one more thing so like because last week i was already feeling this way and last week i our good friend evan Evan abramson up in north carolina covers duke and unc and all those things so i I went on his uh tv station i did a tv appearance in north carolina so i'm a real hot shot guys and uh it was me and it was the duke rivals writer and we just went back and forth talking about the bowl game and 
his side of it for what Duke's looking like, he was like, oh, they're just so amped up. Like they're so excited. Like this is the healthiest they've been all season. Like they're so thrilled to be in this bowl game and year one of this coach ready to go. And, um, and then they're, and Evan's like, all right, Christian, what's going on with UCF? And I'm like, uh, a bunch of players transferred. Um, they haven't even started practicing yet. Um, the quarterback's hamstring isn't working properly. Um, we'll, we'll see what happens. So <laughs> I just came out of that, that interview and was like, oh, wow, UCF might just like not even be competitive in this game. Yeah, it's it's a tough thing to realize and feel that way, but that's where we are. Um, and there are reasons for that, and some of those reasons are in our key stats, starting with the first one, which is that UCF has allowed 30.7 points per game over its last seven games. There are a number of factors that have led to that, I think, but I don't know that it's going to get any better in just a few short days. Oh, my God. Oh, what? they just dropped the men's basketball, just dropped the home unis. The new ones. Oh, they so that's so why good. my dog's barking so much. <laughs> this is really bad podcasting. I'm sorry, guys. I just uh, like we talked about how I'm always checking Twitter. Well, I'm checking right now because I'm worried Caden Lee's going to say something. But the, 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 wow, those look great. Anyway, back to the podcast. Hey, if you're listening to this right now, why don't you go on Twitter and check out the UCF men's basketball home uniforms because they look stellar. God, that palm pattern, they the palm frond pattern they use on the size of the side of the jerseys is just so all right. We'll go back to I'm sorry, we'll go back to the podcast. That's my bad. Um oh, those are nice. <laughs> I was like spending all that time <laughs> trying to find them. <laughs> they are, yeah, I like them. Wow, and I like I love the knights across the chest. I know it looks yeah. so good. I wish they could have the knights word mark on the uh road jerseys. I get why they don't because it's not really standard, but uh, it just looks so nice. Anyway, key yeah. stat number one UCF 30.7 points per game allowed. Um, that is why T will left in shame of the last seven games. <laughs> um, not really. Why. It's because uh, Arkansas doubled the salary. But um, yeah, I I don't think it's going to necessarily get better in the bowl game. I mean, it seems like that defense has just been a little checked out at times in the second half of the season, and they're going to now be without Devontae Brown and presumably Devod Wilson. I'm well, not yeah, sure. I don't think I think Devod's gone. Um, what's Devante interesting Brown's is in the, the presser. Jeremiah Jean Baptiste is gone. Jeremiah Jean Baptiste, obviously. What's interesting in the presser this week is. Gus was asked about if Isaiah Bowser was going to play. He was like, oh, yeah, he's practicing. He's ready to go. And then someone else asked, oh, well, who are the opt-outs? And he was like, oh, we don't have any opt-outs. And that would be – I'm surprised by that, and I'm skeptical of it, to be honest. Like, I don't yeah. know if that's like a ploy or what, because that feels really unlikely that UCF would be entirely bought in and have all these guys play. If he's telling the truth, then I'm feeling, like, slightly hopeful, but I just don't buy that. Because he, he did like, – he said something about the other than the guys who have transferred, obviously they've moved on to their next chapter. And I don't know if, if Devod Wilson is included in that. I, I would assume he is. He's – I don't remember what his announcement said. I don't remember if he, he said, said he was declaring know. for the draft. But it feels like we're in yeah. an era now where it's just assumed that anyone who's got a good chance of getting drafted isn't going to play in these bowl games. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I, I think they're going to be pretty shorthanded. And I think, obviously, with a new defensive coordinator, there's not enough time for him to, like, make wholesale yeah. changes or anything. So it's like – I don't know. And I think Duke has a good offense. They've got a really, really dynamic quarterback, good quarterback. And yeah, I don't know. I don't know what to expect out of the defense. If they look like even a little bit better than they have in the last couple of weeks, I'll feel pretty good. Their last couple of games anyway, I'll feel pretty good Um, because it has. It's been a chore to watch them play defense over the last yeah. six or seven games now. And listen, um, this quarterback they have, Riley Leonard, is he's the next key stat. Just do the next key stat. And we'll talk yeah, about next key stat. Uh, Riley Leonard has scored three plus total touchdowns. In six games this season, John Rice Plumley did so in five games. This is kind of what I've been trying to say to fans all year who think John Rice Plumley's good is none of you have ever even heard of Riley Leonard. He's just like a middle of the road ACC quarterback, and he's just flat out better than John Rice Plumley and is the same style of quarterback as John Rice Plumley. Like, I don't get why UCF fans think that John Rice Plumley is some superstar. I really don't. I wish he was. I strongly do. But again, this ACC quarterback you have never heard of is better than John Rice Plumley and is the same style of quarterback as John Rice Plumley. I just let that sink in for a minute. But yeah, Riley Leonard's really good. And I don't think that UCF necessarily is going to have the personnel on defense to stop him. He's the kind of guy that can hurt you 20 different ways and he's really dynamic. And I don't, like I said, if they were at full strength, even then it would still be a challenge because this is the style of quarterback that UCF always struggles with. But I feel like it's you just have to kind of lean on more. We're going to try to contain him then we can just shut this guy down. Yeah, what was the thing I said to you? Uh, I don't know if I can find it now, but it was his his rushing yards per game, um, where he's run for sixty plus rushing yards in uh, six games this season, and they went five and one in those games. And the one they lost was when he ran for a season high one hundred and thirty yards. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it just makes 
a lot of sense, except it doesn't. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, he's, he's been the reason that I think well, a major reason why Duke is eight and four and they've been able to have the season they've had under a first year head coach and kind of just, you know, I think that Duke fans have reason to be excited about the season because I don't know, Duke football is Duke football, right? It's not Duke basketball. So it's, yeah, this is their Super Bowl, an eight win season and a five and three record in the ACC. They finished, I think second in their division in the ACC which I guess is really nothing that special because the ACC is garbage. Um, but yeah, no, they're, they're at the end of a very like promising season for them. UCS coming off of a title game loss and everything kind of just like, all right, on to next year. On I to love the Big that 12. we're this fan base now. I love we are, so aren't we? Like it's, it's um, weird. So Duke hasn't even had a winning season. This is their first winning season since 2018. And they haven't been to a bowl game since 2018 either. Bowl games aren't a super common thing for them. So th- this is a big game for them. And I think the difference is I'm going to acknowledge that right now. And it's not an excuse in that I'm still going to be really annoyed with UCF when they lose this game. And I'm not going to go on Twitter and tweet at Duke fans and say, well, congrats. You just wanted to be there. It's like UCF players, the players who are playing in the game should want to be there and yeah, should play well. And I, I'm you know? sure and hopefully will they will. And I, and I, it sounds like the team is pretty locked in. So it's, but I just don't want, like, I really don't want to be the team where, cause here's how it works. If UCF's going to, if UCF wins next Wednesday, we will come on the podcast and say, wow, we had the attitude of the team and their mood totally wrong. They were locked in. They were they wanted to be there. They won the game. And if they lose, we'll say, yeah, well, they were checked out. Season's practically over. That's what I don't want to do, you know, because yeah. that's just not fair to any fan base. And frankly, it's not true. There's, I, I feel like the average fan, that's why it's so frustrating. These guys, they live and breathe football. The ones who are set to play in the game, they get on the field and they're not just like, I don't feel like being here. Like, that's not a right. thing. I, I just, so. That's the, that's the difference too, is like, when, when I do say, that they're they're coming at it from two different ways like duke i don't think has i know we said ucs doesn't have any opt-outs but they've already had a lot of guys transfer they've had a lot of guys or one guy go to the draft just stuff like that i don't think duke has had any opt-outs and i don't know they have anybody leaving for the draft so like they're they're like at full strength last i checked they were at like two transfers and neither of them were important yeah so like that that is noteworthy it's it's not the attitude that like that it should be i I think the yeah like you said like the guys that are going to play are going to be amped up. They're playing one last game together. Some of these guys might be playing their last college football game ever. And yeah, they, they want to play one last time. And I think like, I, I don't think UCS going to come out there and get blown out, which I mean, they totally could, but I don't, I think, don't they're going think so to. either. Like, I don't, I don't see that happening. I just don't know that they're going to have the personnel. I don't know that they're going to be able to hang um, with Duke. The one thing that is interesting to me is the, the stat had both to do with Riley Leonard and John Rice Plumley. Uh, John Rice Plumley, obviously, last time we saw him, had like half a hamstring, and yeah. I, I think the few weeks off and you know few weeks in between games is going to help him. I think we're going to see him look healthier and better, which could help UCF a lot. I think they could really benefit from that and make this a game if he's back to where he he was pre-injury. I really do agree, and that's what for how much I just trashed him, which is you know the part for the course of the Pegasus podcast is. He is the difference maker for this game is if his hamstring is healed up, then I think you can just try to turn it into a shootout. And I think UCF can out talent them from that point. That's your path to winning. If he's still limited, if I can't imagine, we'll see Tommy. Like, I don't, I can't imagine that his hamstring would have not improved somewhat enough for him to play. Right. I think Gus saw enough of Tommy and that's a lane game to be like, Hey, maybe I shouldn't have like, you know, maybe I should have just let John Ruth be a statue instead of burning a true <laughs> freshman's eligibility when he's not ready. But, but at this point, his said, eligibility is already burnt. So like, if they I know, do but need I'm just to play but, him. Yeah, but do you remember him, we'll you him. watched that? That was horrible. That was the worst UCF's looked in five years. Uh, and and I'm not, I am not dissing Tommy by saying that. I'm really not. That is not the because it wasn't a Tommy put a true thing. freshman. In. It wasn't a Tommy yeah. thing. It was a horrible decision by the coaching staff to go that route. And when you thought JRP literally could not play, it made sense. Then when it was finally so bad, they just put JRP back out there. It's like okay, you made a terrible decision here. So. I'm assuming JRP will play. It's just kind of the question of how healthy he is or isn't. If he's full strength or close to it, yeah, UCF can win. If he can't run, if he can't run, they're they're toast. You know. So. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right. Our final key stat, and it's that this is the first time since 2014 that UCF has played three Power Five opponents in a season. Good timing because they're going to be playing. What is it? Nine next year. Uh, yeah, they're going to be playing. No, they're nine because no, they're nine. They don't have one at a conference. Yeah. Boise State basically is, but they don't count. So yeah, this is a. Uh, you feel a whole lot better going next year if you're two and one in those games versus one and two. Yeah, especially when you look at who they've come against. Wow, it's weird. It's three ACC teams. Yeah, that is weird. I know. Um, but yeah, they're not like 
powerhouses. They're Louisville, Georgia Tech, and Duke, like middle of the road to bottom tier ACC teams. I was going to say all of those have been in like the lower third of the ACC for the better part of five years. If you go one and two in those games the year before you're going into the Big 12, yeah, it is going to feel like. I think it might be a wake-up call that some people might actually need it. It it might be a wake-up call for some people that really need to realize that next year isn't a, hey, we're ready to compete now. Totally yeah. good, sure. Why not? We don't need, but, and I don't. We don't need to go on too much of a rant about that now because I have a full eight months to drill into yeah, your guys' yeah. head that some of you are, like, frankly, lunatics on what your expectations are for the first year in the Big Twelve. People come in here talking about, well, I don't know if UCF will be in the title game in year one, but but it's okay. Like, you need to like what did you, really. Someone like came after you on Twitter like way earlier in the season. I think you said something about next year being like six and six, making a bowl next year would be the goal. And someone like came at you hard. They were like, yeah. Oh, this is a ridiculous take. Like, I don't know. It was just they, they were like, you are what's wrong with the fan base. Like, you are the people holding UCF back. I think they they literally, I think at one point said anything lower than eight and four is unacceptable. And I was like, <laughs> You're frankly a stress person. UCF's but... barely barely above eight and four right now, and a season where they had nine games in the state of Florida and had a lot of advantages. So. Which what's gonna bother me about that is if UCF, let's say UCF goes seven and five next year, and I don't know, like four and five in big 12 play or three and six. That's a really solid first year at the power level, especially with the year they're coming off of and with the talent they're going to have going in. And I just am going to be angry if that whole time it's just fans being really pissed about that. And like, why weren't we 10 and two, you know, like that's going to really piss me off. So hopefully that won't happen, but I'm also certain it will. So if that's going to be you, please try to be smarter before then so that we don't have to yell at you. Which this will all be easier once we actually get a freaking schedule at some point. Like I've said, if UCF gets to play Houston and Cincinnati and BYU and get some of those at home, then okay, we can talk about maybe upping expectations a little bit. But if I look at the schedule and it's like, yeah, UCF's going to be playing Baylor and TCU and Oklahoma State and West Virginia and Texas and Oklahoma. It's like, yeah, you know, I'm not I'm not (laughs) feeling I'm not feeling great. (laughs) I've been winning a lot of games. Yeah. Um, Something else I'm not feeling great about and I'm never feeling great about is our predictions. So should we announce our... that we're we're killing yeah. predictions? I think we mentioned it in one of our last podcasts. It might have been before the conference championship game, or was Probably. it before the USF game? We talked about how next year we're going to switch up the format and not do predictions because we both kind of suck at them and they're not fun to do. Or and I don't think any of you really care about them. That's the um, thing is, I just don't. Think me that... saying that someone's going, like, people are going to be like, "Oh, we love when you do predictions." And I'm going to say, "Cool, That's I'm glad you before. love it, but I'm not going to do it." So we've killed stuff before that we thought no one cared about. Then people like when we got rid of uniform of the week. Which, if you're listening to this, that if and you know what that is, you're like, you're like, you're an OG. Shout out to like you. that. That was way yeah. back in the day for us. But and we got rid of that. And like the next week, I got a bunch of tweets. It was like, well, I got like five, but it was like people being like, "What happened to uniform of the week?" And I'm like, I killed it. What's... That's the thing. Someone, I oh, I don't remember who it was. Um said something because you we, we mentioned how we we're going to be doing a basketball podcast um at, at some point and yeah, everyone's just gonna have to put up with it yep and someone i think it might have been um charles who listens to us said something about do a baseball podcast and i was like i would love to do a baseball podcast i don't think christian would love that and i don't think anyone else would listen to it so i don't think maybe I i'll just listen. do maybe i'll just do uh well i never listened to your t will emergency episode so what? i need to go do that i forgot i've been busy um but maybe i'll just do a, a 15 minute personal like just one one person episode of me just talking about UCF baseball and then five people will listen and I'll, I'll come on it. for it. And like, I won't talk. I'll just go like, uh-huh. You'll just listen. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay. Cool. Oh, yeah. Okay. Lost yeah. their pitching coach. Huh? Yeah. Just stuff like yeah. that in the background. <laughs> um, it did. I'm so, I mean, I know you sent that to me the other day, but I'm surprised you retained that information. I like how we're painting a picture of me. I follow UCF baseball. I just baseball. I know, but you just don't care about baseball as a sport in general. So I like... care about UCF baseball and I like to see them do well. Okay. It's just I and I've said on the podcast before, baseball is the most mind numbingly boring sport in the world to me. And I just so it's like I I just don't I, I would never I, I I'm not I would never go out of my way to be like, we need to provide you guys with really in-depth UCF baseball analysis, which is funny because I love softball. Like softball like fixes all my problems with baseball. Like softball's the best. So <laughs> we can do UCF softball podcast. By the way, that basketball podcast might be coming like as soon as like week after next because we're yeah football's gonna be done and, and basketball is doing oh. very well and yeah killing predictions that's right. how we got here yeah i just every every week or every after every season we talk about what worked what didn't work i feel like we're in agreement that the, the predictions have kind of gotten a little stale and we're gonna try to find a way i feel like we're i like how we're just breaking down what works and doesn't for the podcast now i feel like it gets a little monotonous like by like like late october it's like i feel like we've just been doing the same thing for like 20 straight episodes and we're gonna work on this summer trying to come up with a way for next year to kind of keep it keep the, getting, what we're working on more lively in season coming to the realization and getting back to the fact that we had to do a, a preview for this game against duke i was like oh we have to do this again like i thought we were done with that like, <laughs> yeah literally i just like, I was tired not looking of, like, forward to it the same yeah the same format every week so we'll see we'll see what happens but for the last time ever 
I think. Let's go ahead and just let's give our, our three predictions each. Let's start with your first prediction. Who cares about our records? I don't know what they are. Mine's definitely better this year than it was last year, but, you know, cool. Mine's way worse than it was last year. Um, My first prediction is that there will be opt-outs. I think oh, okay. Gus was either lying or misinformed or <laughs> players just hadn't made up their minds yet, but I believe that there will be opt-outs for UCF. And to be clear, I'm counting that as not any of the four who have, like, announced they're leaving, the three transfers into VOD. So beyond that, I think yeah. there'll be someone, whether it be a Bowser or whoever who doesn't play, who we were surprised by. I don't disagree. Um, That's why my first prediction is like kind of I'm guarding myself against that. Uh, I wanted to predict predict that Isaiah Bowser would have a multi-touchdown day, but I don't know for sure that he's going to play. So I said a UCF running back will have a multi-touchdown day. I like that. That's I a think good way to... If Bowser plays, I think it'll be him. It just feels like a nice fitting way for him to go out because UCF like – He's never been the most dynamic, like most dominant running back. He has like had some games where it's just like, wow, just feed him the ball. Um, but like we've seen, like he had a four touchdown day at some one point last season. You think he had uh he's had a couple three touchdown games, I think. I know he's had definitely had multiple like two touchdown games. Just feels like a, a nice fitting way for him to do it. But if he's not playing or whatever reason, they they go more with RJ. RJ could probably finish off his good season with a two touchdown day. So so let's also not forget that I don't know if we ever mentioned on the podcast, there's a brand new NCAA rule this year that um, young guys who are redshirting can play the bowl game without it affecting their redshirt. Jordan McDonald. Um, Jordan McDonald. Throw Jordan McDonald out there. I don't know why uh, you would. Like, I would love that. Maybe Gus will just straight up look at this game. Like we're just going to like, let the, like let the young guys play and see what happens. Like, I would sorry, love RJ, that. You know, <laughs> like I, I, don't I, almost, know, I would kind of love that, but I don't think to. I'd rather have 10 wins, but that's just me. But okay. Solid prediction. My, my second prediction is the, the crowd will be horrid. Um, <laughs> don't disagree. I, I, I have not, I have seen very, very few fans on any form of social media say that they are planning to go to this game. Um, I don't know if I ever announced on the podcast. I decided I'm not going. Um, and that's a, that's a less which I'm like, glad I'm happy about that, which, yeah, because you're benefiting from it because we were on a basketball game that night. But <laughs> I, I, I decided to not go, not because I'm like, oh, I don't care about the bowl game. All of the media, because I go to cover the game and all of the media accesses and press conferences and all that are in Washington, D.C. And then the game is in Annapolis. And I'm like, I, I don't really DC, feel though. like I've never been. And I, I, I don't feel oh, like that's right, I, knew that. I was going to say, look, we've had this conversation like 40 times, but I love Annapolis. It's like one of my favorite cities in the world and like part of the appeal to me of going was to hang out in, in Annapolis and Annapolis is like an hour plus away from Washington DC. And I'm like, you know, I'm not going to like go to a state I'm not familiar with and bounce between two cities to cover a bowl game that UCF is probably going to lose. So we're just gonna, we'll, we'll be here at home and uh, it's going to be a good time. We'll still have our post game pod, but yeah, not from Annapolis. Right. Um, yeah. I don't, I don't disagree. I think I almost did something like that where I was just going to say that UCF fan turnout is going to be not that good. I don't think there's going to be a lot of Duke fans either. So yeah, you're probably, Pretty spot on with the fact that it's going to be, I would guess, a half-empty stadium or worse. I would say um, I'm going to say, so <laughs> this is what we kind of talked about earlier. My second prediction is that UCF's defense won't look improved from what we saw toward the end of the season. There's just too many too many guys transferred, too many fill-ins, and not enough time for really any changes by Addison Williams, who I think maybe, like, not our next podcast, our next podcast is going to be the post-game pod, but at some point we can probably go – further in depth about you know promoting Addison Williams and talking about his introductory press conference and stuff I think it's a great hire I think he's going to do really really well and I'm really excited to see um you know what his defense looks like next year and kind of the the core values he was talking about um instilling in the defense I'm excited about all that I just it's a bull it's a bull game and he has a week to prepare with them I guess so it's like he already said he's not going to change much yeah and well and like I said we'll get an Addison Williams at a later time and uh just like quick really really quickly on that that's not like your traditional like inside hire of we just need to put someone in there like he is a rising star coach he's been very good he connects he was getting offers to go elsewhere yeah and he he crushed it that press conference like i was so impressed (laughs) with him i did like i don't think he meant to phrase it this way but at some point he was asked like what's going to look different under the defense and he like talked a little bit and he ended up settling on discipline and accountability which is a weird like area that you say needs to change (laughs) from where the current defense is but he de- philosophy wise, he's apparently pretty different from T will. And it sounds like they are going to really remake the defensive bit this off season, which I feel like to some UCF fans is probably music to their ears. I, I can't argue with it too much after how much the defense collapsed, but speaking of that defensive collapse, yeah, that's a good prediction. I don't, I don't foresee meant, the defense recovering here. What I meant to mention earlier, and this doesn't have any bearing on the game at all, but I think you might've mentioned to me that it, when he was a, a defensive coordinator before or a guy, he he's more aggressive 
I think as a as a defensive coordinator and I wonder if part of that is and I don't know I don't know how all this went into things but the two guys the the, Jamarc Morris who they got from community college and then Fred Davis from Clemson they're both bigger corners Fred Davis I believe is six foot and I think Jamarc Morris is like six two and so I kind of like that they're going physical and, and big with their corners. So, yeah, yeah, I think we're little... going to see a more physical defense, which, I, you know, the bendo break thing worked for a time this season. And then <laughs> it stopped working and we still can't fully, you know, nail down why that was. But if we're going to see a different defense, fine. You know, I, I I like that, though. I like that they're not just promoting someone and saying you're just going to run what he will ran and we'll just keep things the same, blah, blah, blah. No, he's going to establish his own defense here and hopefully that works out. So, yeah, I mean, be your, be your own coordinator, which is nice. So, yeah. all right, your final prediction. And that sentence is why Chip Lindsay is no longer at UCF. Um, my last prediction is that one young player we have not seen a lot of will have a huge game for UCF. I'm not going to say who. Huge game. Yep. Well, big game. I'll say big game. We'll have a big game okay. for UCF. He's not going like, to win the game for them. I think we're going to see someone put up some really nice stats, have some nice moments who we haven't had the chance to talk about a lot this year because they're younger. Maybe that's a Xavier Townsend. Maybe it's a Cam Moore. You know, I, we'll just have to see. I hope so. Because like, like I've mentioned, like I'm not looking forward to this game a ton. And I would like to come out of the day with like, yeah, whatever. Like it, it, the result, them losing would suck. Cause we talk about it. nine and five is a bad record, Very bad. but coming out of the day where I'm like, Oh, we got to see like Jordan McDonald ran for two touchdowns. Or Xavier Townsend had a hundred yards, like anything like that is like, that's exciting. Like that's an exciting facet. of. And it game. gives you something to look forward to. You start thinking about that in the off season. Wow. UCS really got something here with these guys. I mean, that's, you know, that's, that's probably like, what bulls are moving towards becoming. And yeah. that's interesting. Or like Damari Henderson has an interception or something like that. Yeah. Like anything like that would be cool. Cam Moore forces another fumble. I don't know. Anything. Um, all right. The third thing I have, which I've probably mentioned multiple times in this podcast, uh, prediction number three, UCF will lose the game, and this season will feel like a complete missed opportunity and failure. <laughs> you like the way I worded that? <laughs> just, I don't know. It, that was so hard. It just doesn't feel like. I'm not going to call a year where they played for the conference title a failure. I I'm am. not going to call it a failure. It was it was a disappointing year from what we thought they could do, but I'm not going to say they failed. Nine and five is a failure. It's pretty bad. Nine and five is a nine bad and five record. is bad when you had nine games in the state of Florida. You came in as one of the potential favorites in the conference. You were a game away from hosting the conference championship game. You blew that. You were a game away earlier from hosting college game day. You blew that. I don't know. It just would feel like a gross, you know failure i think my favorite part about this season too was it's not even like we can just the way it is i don't know it's not even like we can point to one thing like we had it all like we had we had defense that utterly collapsed halfway through the season we had quarterback controversy that tanked the year at one point we had injuries we like everything you could think of that could make a season a mess we had we had a 64 yard field goal attempt like anything you can think of we had a lot of keep mentioning that that was fun what the mentioning, yeah that's the I, second time we brought it up on this podcast. Because it's one of the most wild things that happened this season. I mean, how do you not? I, blowing a 28 to nothing lead to USF. Every ridiculous thing that happened this season could. So, all right. I'll, horrible. Yeah. I hope that prediction is wrong, but I'm going to back it up here with my score predictions. So. Well, yeah, let's get your score prediction. I'm saying Duke is going to win 38 to 27. Okay. Ooh, 11 point win. That's not good. Um, I got Duke 34 28. 34 28. It's a little closer. Six point, Six points. You just said that, um, so ooh, eleven point win. It's not good. <laughs> yeah, it's not good. Um, yeah, I don't know. Thirty four twenty eight. I don't really know why. I'm assuming the offense will put up points. If John Rice Plumley's healthy, but not enough to make up for a defense that's going to be without three or four starters. I think maybe more. So I'm going to say it's going to be thirty one twenty seven Duke with like four minutes to go in the game, and then John Rice Plumley's going to like get hit and fumble, and they'll pick it up and scoop and score it, and that'll be thirty eight twenty seven at the end of the game. <laughs> okay. You have an interesting imagination. I always do think through it like with scenarios, which is kind of dumb. But anyway, yep, that's where we're at. So UCF can't wait. finishing nine and five. You heard it here first. I really can't wait. Except I totally can. All right, let's which jump into your, the football news. Which was your favorite loss? <laughs> Tune in next week when we discuss. Uh, football news. A couple more guys from UCF enter the transfer portal. It's Joey Gatewood and Anthony Williams. Um, the Joey Gatewood experiment is over. I'm really sad about it. Um, Saw a lot more of the field than I ever would have guessed, but uh, yeah. Um, As you mentioned earlier, alluded to offensive coordinator Chip Lindsay is gone. He went to UNC to take the offensive coordinator job there. Um, Lokai Paule will return for a fifth season, and that's huge news for the offensive line. I I didn't wasn't one hundred percent sure if he would come back, and 
yeah, that's the fact that he is, is really, really big. Another big return for another season is Joshua Seliscar. It's going to be nice to have him off the edge again, especially with some of these younger guys coming in. Um, he was a captain this season. I think he's going to be another captain next season and a really good leader for UCF's defense going into the Big 12. There's um, nowhere they need more consistency than on the lines. So getting Okahi yeah. and Seliscar back in the same week is pretty exciting. And uh, it would be nice to see Tremont Morris Brash back. He didn't walk on senior day, I don't believe, so... Maybe we'll uh I assume we would have heard something by now if he was declaring. I don't know. I yeah, if he was see. declaring or if, unless unless he's a guy that's gonna wait until after the bowl, I don't know. Yeah, but, if he doesn't play in the bowl game, that's a giveaway. So we'll see. Yeah, but but hopefully he plays in the bowl game. Hopefully he stays for another season because it'd be nice to have both your edge rushers back. Um <laughs> Phil Steele released his all AAC teams. He does four teams, so we're gonna burn through all these. The first team he had Lokahi Paule. Ryan Swoboda, Ricky Barber, Traymon Morris-Brash, Jason Johnson, and Alex Ward. On the second team, he had John Rice Plumley, Ryan O'Keefe, Matt Lee. Third team, he had R.J. Harvey, Sam Jackson, Devad Wilson, Colton Boomer, and Xavier Townsend as his punt returner. And fourth team, he had Isaiah Bowser, Javon Baker, and Jeremiah Jean-Baptiste. I have problems with this, and we won't dwell on it too long because at the end of the day, it doesn't matter really. But I don't understand how you put Ryan O'Keefe on the second team and Javon Baker on the fourth team. I can explain it if you want. Why? Um, he didn't watch any of the games. Okay, cool. Okay, anyway. Moving on. Um, speaking of Phil Steele again, second team All-American, uh, Alex Ward. He was named a Phil Steele second team All-American. I think it's the second straight season he has been um, named that. And finally, we found out on Tuesday night that UCF will wear 88 decals for Jake Hescock uh, for the Military Bowl. Um, <clears throat> just... I assume that was going to be the case and I'm glad they are. Yep. It's just two years in a row to have to do that. We talked about it a little bit last week with the news that, you know, having to do that for Otis last year or for the bowl game and having to do it for Hescock this year, it's just, it's tough. It's, it's hard to, hard to believe that that's a thing that they've had to do in back-to-back years for former players, but glad they're doing it at least um, to honor him. Mm-hmm. Uh, we will jump into game of the week, which I'm kind of cheating here because there's not a lot going on with anything like men's basketball plays like as we're talking men's basketball is about to play Stetson tonight but by the time you're listening to this that game will be over uh women's basketball just played games on back-to-back days for their like Christmas challenge or tournament or whatever it was called so we're jumping all the way to next week you'll hear like we'll have a recorded another podcast before this game happens but next Wednesday UCF will be opening conference play UCF men's basketball uh they're eight and three right now with one game to play before this game they're hosting Wichita State on the 28th at 7 p.m. Wichita State also has another game to play before then, but they're six and five right now. They just lost to Oklahoma State, who UCF beat in overtime earlier this season. So big conference opener. I'm really looking forward to seeing what they do in conference play. I think they've been a pleasant surprise so far this season. And I hope they continue to keep playing well because it's been fun so far. Um, but we're going to be going to that game too, which we is are. fun. I'm excited. Always love going to that arena too. Uh, it'll be a good time. But let's jump over to Tweet of the Week, which you've promised is a good one. Tweet of the Week. For Tweet of the Week, we have to time travel back. Let me take you to June 21st of 2022. Oh, no. Things were looking rough for the UCF Knights. Isaiah Nixon had just flipped from UCF to Florida, where he would obviously stick for almost all the way until the very end there. And we got a tweet from, in all kinds of weather, who you've probably seen. It's a Florida fan blog. Really nice guy from what I can gather. Not at all obnoxious as hell. And he tweeted, don't worry, Central Florida fans. I have no interest in taunting you over taking your highest rated 2023 recruit away from you. It's like drinking water. It's what we do whenever we feel like it. Enjoy that meaningless bowl win from fourth place in the state's prestige rankings. And if you're wondering why I've pulled up this old tweet from six months ago for Tweet of the Week, it's because I just want to say something. Don't worry in all kinds of weather. I have no interest in taunting you over UCF, keeping John Walker away from you, even though your team tried with all of its heart to get him back. I'm not going to taunt you over the fact that Isaiah Nixon flipped back to UCF. I'm not going to taunt you over the fact that your program had to save face by basically telling Tyree to get lost when they realized he was going to flip to UCF. I'm not going to taunt you for any of that. It's okay. It's just like drinking water. It's just what UCF does. But enjoy your Sunbelt pedigree coach. I am sure that things are going to continue to go very well for the University of Florida in the considerable, in the in the foreseeable future. You're coming off a big bowl result where you had to take a field goal at the last minute to just keep your scoring streak of not being shut out in games going. Things are going they great. Took a in the game sad, they took a sad field goal. 
they took a, they took a pity field goal on themselves. I I, it's I, I just, horrible. So it's just funny how quickly things can change. But anyway, Florida back to back six and seven seasons now. Um, that program has in my lifetime never been as horrible as they are now. And um, UCF is taking advantage, and recruits don't even want to come to, come there anymore. So it, enjoy, you know, and in, in, enjoy all the misery coming Florida's way because it's all deserved. So <laughs> see you in twenty twenty four. Um, yeah, it'll be fun. Um, all right. We will get out of here on that note, that very bitter and fun note. Um, we'll be back next week, as we mentioned earlier, with episode 119, which will come after the bowl game. It'll be our bowl reaction uh, to whatever happens next Wednesday. Um, should be a good time either way, I think. Uh, they tend to be post-game podcasts, tend to be fun. Some of them, you like them when they lose. I think when, when UCF loses, I think you like our post-game pods even more. You guys are sick for that. <laughs> you guys are sick individuals for that, but... Hey, listen, either way, we, we appreciate it. Uh, until then, you can find us on Twitter at BaileyJAdams22, at ByCA Simmons, and at Night Sports Now. Thank you guys so much for being with us, and we'll talk to you next week. Merry Christmas and happy holidays. Bye, everybody.